0: Good morning, RD. Good morning, Anger. How are we?
1: Oh, yeah, pretty cold, but otherwise good. <laughs> what about you, RD?
2: Yeah, look, travelling all right. Uh was pruning a whole lot of bamboo yesterday, so I was looking up with the, uh, rem- like the extendo clippers. So I couldn't work out this morning why I'd woken up with such a, a stiff neck until I sort of looked in the <laughs> courtyard and thought, ah, that's why. <laughs>
0: Oh dear!
2: Oh good. How are you traveling? I, I possibly miss your uh, you saying how you were going.
0: Oh, I am exhausted. If I'm fairly honest, um, oh. my local my local branch held pre selections yesterday, and so um, the issue wasn't the pre selection in it of itself. Like we, you know, we had candidates that were clearly going to win. Um, huh. The issue the issue was basically filling all the requirements. Um, for all the silly bylaws and whatnot, Um, because, you know, people have COVID, so they can't, like, attend the attendance balance, like, in person.
1: Um, It was was very tiring. My first experience of going to a Greens branch meeting uh, was during COVID, and we were all online, um, and we were electing new members for something. I can't remember what now. Um, But because there were only six of us, I was like, well, do we really need to do a blind ballot i mean we're all friends um i don't think it's really going to matter and at least two of them like no it's very important that we make sure that it's blind and people can't see who's voting and it's like yes <laughs> oh, fine <laughs> yeah. and uh, everyone probably... there was uh over 65 or 70 so like making the um technologically less experienced be able to do that was just a pain <laughs> <laughs> mm. um,
0: it's likely one of my more, I don't know, I guess petty criticisms of the Greens, um, specifically Victorian Greens, is that a lot of the rules and bylaws are designed with the inner city branches in mind. Like, oh, of course, you just happen to have like you know three hundred members, and you know, like, no, that's not how every branch operates, guys.
2: Uh, okay, is that is that a Greens? thing or do you think it's um a case the same case with uh with with the other parties?
0: I'm not particularly sure myself. On a hunch I'd say it's not really a problem for the ALP um or the Liberal Party because they just have like a bigger membership base in general. Uh, so yeah, you know what I mean. Um you, there will always likely be someone nominating for, you know, branch secretary or what have you um, out of the 20 or so people that regularly attend meetings
1: my guess would be that the greens are uniquely disadvantaged in not being such a micro party that everything is kind of like run by a couple of personalities and uh so like they're big enough that they have bylaws but not so big that and not so old that they've worked really well in every part of the country for quite a while so they're kind Mm. of in this weird phase of being, like, not quite big enough to be smooth, but not small enough that that doesn't matter.
0: Hmm. Oh, yes. Um, It's unfortunately not a topic for this discussion, but maybe it should have been. Um, A good example of that is the new laws that the Victorian ALP has flagged around membership requirements and things like that. Um, We've seen this sort of thing before, um, where the Labor and Liberal parties can easily handle whatever new changes. Um, the last one that I can really think of was around campaign funding, which required uh, basically a restructuring of party's entire campaign and finance in- infrastructure, which, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were pretty easy to do. You know, they basically had already got that implemented. But as a quasi-major party, the Greens then had to implement that, which somehow meant that our branch ended up with two bank accounts um and a bunch of complex rules around how they're used and, you know, sign-off and everything. Right. And it means that we can no longer, like, you know, if we wanted to, you know, just previously, if we wanted to get some core flutes, uh, we could go and order some core flutes and then we'd send the receipt to state office and be like, hey, we ordered some core flutes. Um, That is a big no-no now. You cannot do that. You now have to send, like, a written request to state office, hope you get a response in, like, a timely manner, and then process
1: it. You have to fax it as well. Oh, God.
2: Isn't that a uh, sort of fairly typical tactic of you you see that with large corporations supporting more onerous regulation because it makes it harder for uh, new entries into the market and the the smaller companies? Isn't that essentially a version of that where both the two majors would benefit and it's going to have a heavy impact on the smaller parties?
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I would say so. Um, the big one around these new laws, I think, is really worth tracking membership, because these are new laws and things to, you know, prevent branch stacking, yep. which I don't know if I've ever heard of a branch oh. in the greens getting stacked. Because really, really, when a lot of the outer urban like branches that would be targets for stacking kind of thing, uh, as Anger said, you know, it consists of six people. There's not really, they're not big enough to exactly stack. Um, but now there's a possibility that you know, all Greens members may have to provide like photo, all Victorian Greens members may have to provide photo ID, which then has to be stored privately, um, and rigorously checked by state office every time because of someone's lapse that like needs to be reported, etc. etc. Mm. Um, but but if you're a minor party, if you're Darren Hinch's Justice Party or the Victorian's party, or you don't have to do that because you don't have the like the membership requirement for that to kick in.
2: Oh, so Greens just sort of over the line.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically it's, it's it's always like, Don't worry guys, we know minor parties can't do that. Fuck you, Greens. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how it feels like a lot of the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not not that it's targeted at all. No, uh, no, absolutely not.
2: <laughs> well, for something that wasn't a point, we got a few points in there.
0: Indeed. Alrighty. Um on that note, we might jump into our first topic of this week, uh, which I suspect will actually be a fairly quick topic. But it's Scott Morrison, uh and the boat arrival on election day. Home affairs oh, has I thought it was the subject survey. No, we'll jump in that I'm hoping that one will be a little longer, so we'll just get rid of this one. Oh, I see. At the start, okay. sorry. Um, is anyone really surprised that Scott Morrison authorized the release, um, of that home affairs statement on election day in a cheap stunt?
1: It's, I can pretend to be shocked if it helps. Oh, what about you, <laughs> Adi?
2: Look, I'm not, I'm not shocked because, uh, yeah, they're, they're politicians, there's power involved. It was getting desperate. So it's no, uh, no real surprise that, uh, a desperate measure was taken, you know in those precious situations uh sometimes there's not much imagination so maybe they thought well it worked with the uh, the tamper maybe it's going to work here so it's a whatever the american special is it's it's throwing a hail mary so look i wasn't surprised at that i was i was pleased that the uh, public servants didn't uh, comply that they re- refused that to me was uh I thought that was a, that was a positive out of it. Uh mm. but look I I'm, I'm not so, in terms of politicians I'm not surprised in terms of uh Morrison I'm still not surprised. So <laughs> look I, I I mean you can <clears throat> I suppose there's a uh, I suppose there's a, a counter argument to that and that is uh he didn't do it as so far as we know at the moment he didn't do anything illegal. Now you know, things that are legal versus things that are moral are often two very different things. Uh, but you mm-hmm. know, you could also argue that uh, he was certainly within the rules of the game. But I, I didn't appreciate it, and I also think to the, uh, the the people clutching their pearls on the other side and saying, "Oh, this is disgraceful and shameful," and and hamming that up, I think, well, you know stones and glass houses
1: i Mm. it feels like this is just another um part of the trend that we've seen uh towards political norms being broken um which uh obviously is a much bigger thing in the united states and uh the united kingdom than it is here uh but that all of these kind of accepted these are the rules that you kind of play by um even though the stuff isn't technically illegal, is being broken in the uh, just for cheap votes, um, mm-hmm. and it will be interesting to see whether or not Labor actually does start tightening up some of the rules around this and start making things like this illegal, or whether they're just going to continue to be shocked and saddened. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, look, I, so I used see... To just- sorry? Go, go on, sorry. A bit hot.
0: I was going to ask, Anger, are you suggesting that we're perhaps seeing the death of convention?
1: Uh, Like, we need hard rules? I think the death of convention has been uh, basically almost everything that Scott Morrison has been doing over the past three or four years. Like, he is, I mean, okay, I'm exaggerating slightly, of course, there. Um, but he has thrown away political conventions and norms much more than previous incumbents in the position. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not that uh, gets tightened or the Liberal Party continues to do that, um, or the Nationals as well. Mm.
2: Yeah. I thought your, uh, your, your common anger about it, uh, seeing that, that increase, as, as Apricot knows, I've got a, a bit of a bugbear about e- executive uh, secrecy and, uh, just that slow grabbing at power, it seems to me that as the executive gets greater and greater secrecy and greater and greater power, the feeling of being accountable to the public decreases. And I think you we're going to see more and more of this kind of behaviour, because as I just said to you, it doesn't appear as though he's done anything illegal this will get forgotten, we'll move on to something else glittery and and shiny, and if you know you can get away with it and all you have to do is keep your head down for a few months, why the hell wouldn't you give it a go?
1: Well, that makes this an interesting choice for Labour because, I mean, this kind of power, being able to kind of ignore these um, conventions uh, is incredibly tempting when you're the one that has the power. So it'll be interesting to see if they go, oh, okay, well, we can start playing these games as well uh to our advantage or whether they say "Mm, actually no no one should be able to do this and actually put proper laws in place of course the problem then is if the coalition gets back in chances are they're going to be able to rip up a bunch of those regulations uh without having to um go through Parliament so again it kind of comes down to Are labor going to look at what the coalition's done and say well we can do all this kind of stuff too um or are they going to try and take the high road and even though they know that that won't happen uh, when the other party kind of swings back in i think i think one of the problems there
0: no no, no offense anchor but i think one of the problems with that argument um <clears throat> is you're kind of setting up a like you know alp versus lmp you know lnb are gonna break conventions and whatnot um, will the ALP, you know, basically fall into that disregard as well, or will they, you know, basically be um paladins of convention, if you will?
1: Um paladin of is convention lot, is an excellent term, by the way.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I I'm filing that away for like my next D D game and am like, <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> um <laughs> But the thing is, is it's been a decade since our last like Labour government. But I feel like maybe we may have forgotten some of the issues with that. Like you know, like I wasn't the. Didn't the Attorney General find that the Labor Party, specifically Albanese, had used a rot, like had done a rot program through an infrastructure original program kind of thing? Like the, I was the, in the fact the of the, the day. day I have no idea. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But the fact of the day is they're they're all politicians. Mm. Like, do, do you know what I mean? I don't think. You can really go like, oh, these
2: are the good ones.
0: <laughs> no, really?
2: and I, I think if you start getting down to the only real way we've got to judge them, uh, that being their, their actions, I was reading this morning that uh, a, a, it was a, an opinion point piece in the uh, the AFR about the super fund transparency is going is going backwards. There has just been a a, a move to. Uh, by by Labor to reverse some legislation that was put in to make super funds more transparent. And the upshot of that will be that political donations and other costs get melded together and become less transparent. So to me, that's not a great start. And it doesn't prove anything at, at all. You're probably not talking large amounts of money, but if you're uh, you know, judging the, judging the bush by the, the fruit it bears, that's, another, that's already a little worrying sign that they're continuing along the same line. And I don't think it's going to be any great surprise to see Labor continue along the executive secrecy and protection line. They've supported it for the whole time that the Libs were in power.
1: I was watching the Channel 10 election coverage the other night uh, because I'm a massive nerd, uh, and at one point Senator... Only one? Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so
0: sorry. Uh,
1: at one point, Senator Ann Rustin um, said, uh, and this is a direct quote, I think that we, meaning the two major parties, have worked very well together. I think one of the things that the Australian public probably don't know is the amount of times that legislation goes through both houses of parliament with the support of the two major parties, which renders independents and the Greens and the like completely irrelevant, which I found interesting. Um,
0: Saying the quiet part loud, I guess
1: exactly, and like especially oh. given the context of uh, a uh, election where the primary vote for the two major parties dropped below the vote for other. Uh, for the first time ever, like labor's been below that for a while, but this is the first time the coalition's vote was below other as well, so yeah, interesting hmm. mm.
0: <clears throat> sorry, and apologies for yelling before. um, I just feel very vindicated. My housemate recently called me a psychopath because I was watching <laughs> the twenty twenty a c t election coverage <laughs> like a couple of days ago. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: So, so it, it's good I'm not the only one. It's, I've, it's interesting because uh, you've got all of these political commentators um, from both the right and the left side of politics uh, just in front of a camera for five or six hours at a time in a very like heightened emotional kind of state um, because they are going through that, are we going to win, are we going to lose? Um, and it's all kind of coming in. So you do get a little bit more unfiltered Um, comments from them than you necessarily would normally. And even though Mm. both the parties uh, put up the people who are the slickest um, uh, possible so that, you know, they do filter themselves a bit. I mean, Channel 9 still had Matt Canavan on. Like, that was interesting. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Just to cover off on the ACT
0: election coverage, they had Vicky Dunn. Uh, on there, uh, who was a former, I think, deputy leader of the Victoria, sorry, of the Canberra Liberals. Um, and you are 100% right about the kind of unfiltered comments. It's easily the best part of, of election coverage for me. After the election had been called and it was clear that, you know, the Greens and Labor would once again form a coalition government and that, you know, for like, what was it now, 12, 13 years, um, she kind of just stopped completely caring. She had resigned at that election as well. So she was just kind of like, yeah, we're kind of shit. I don't know. It kind of sucks.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, oh, sure. <laughs> it's <laughs> this This is, of course, the problem is you see all of these journalists trying to um, make people say, OK, who are you going to elect next? Like, who's going to be the new leader of the Liberal Party? And they're all sitting there going, I'm not going to comment. Of course, I'm not going to comment on that. Like, come on. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we should get back to what we were actually talking about.
2: Oh, we've had a yes, couple of uh, d- well...
1: divergences.
2: Uh, look, you, you, also, you had the, uh, the the other half of that question that you had was uh, of that point was the the don't trust government uh, comment by mm. by by Morrison. I thought that's been interesting to see how it's reported, uh, and I think the the context is important. And I'll preface this to say this is this is done to both sides of politics. However, when we look at his actual words, and this is from a, a Guardian article, twenty first of July, twenty two, uh, called Albanese labels Morrison's comments about not trusting government astonishing. Uh, Morrison called on the Pentecostal congregation to put their faith in religion above other institutions like governments. God's kingdom will come. It's in his hands. We trust him. We don't trust in governments. We don't trust in the United Nations, thank goodness, he said. We don't trust in all these things, fine as they may be, and and obviously this is my emphasis, we don't trust in all these things, fine as they may be, and as important as the role that they play, Believe me, I've worked in it, and they are important. And in that same article, there was a link to a a previous comment. In 2019, Morrison attracted international attention for a controversial speech where he criticised negative globalism and what he called an unaccountable internationalist bureaucracy. Criticisms of international bodies such as the United Nations is also a common feature of conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, that last sentence is is activism, journalism, active journalist activism and and commentary. H- however, uh there was two things to that, and I'd like to hear your Um, your opinions on it. I think the context is important. And in terms of the context, he said, global institutions must not be put above the authority of the nation states. To me, is that really so disagreeable? And the other one, uh, well, that's probably the main thing. Let's, Let's stick on that. Is it really so disagreeable to say, I want to put Australia first ahead of uh, an unelected body like the United Nations? What do you two think?
0: So that's a very big question um, because personally, <laughs> I kind of don't care um, in the sense. So <laughs> I, I feel the way the world is going is that we are going to have a much more centralised, you know, global body, um, be it the UN or some other kind of thing. Um I don't necessarily think we'll go down the route of, you know, a dystopian global government necessarily, but I would like, for a start, I would like to see the UN elected. Um, I think that's a very important thing. I like but I also
1: feel that the idea of a yeah. utopian global government is like, up, not even worth talking about. Like, that's not going to happen. God, no. <laughs> God, what, what, we all moved to Finland?
0: <laughs> Uh, (laughs) But no, so I feel like a global government of some sort is going to essentially occur, even if it's just simply uh, the establishment of an elected body to coordinate global responses to things, even if it's basically kind of severely limited in that, like, I don't think we're ever going to really have, like, a global currency per se, if that makes sense,
1: or, like, do you know what I mean? It's, I think that, have either of you read uh, Van Batten's book, Q and on and on? No. I I try to avoid Van Batten at all costs. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, understandable. Um, uh, it's an interesting book uh, and she does draw links to uh, the Prime Minister and uh, his Pentecostal faith. Um, And some people who are relatively big in the Q kind of conspiracy theories here in Australia. And this is one of those um, kind of points where I can look at Scott Morrison and say, like, he's not a conspiracy theorist, but he is conspiracy adjacent, I guess, uh, because he's been in government. He knows that the UN is not an actual authority. Um, The UN is uh, about making bold statements and um, meaningless gestures, and honestly, just being somewhere for the leaders of the world and their representatives to get together and to try and talk things out. Um, It doesn't have authority to make governments do things. Uh, And the fact that he was kind of implying that it was um, in this uh, speech that he's just given feels much more like again meaningless rhetoric of he knows that his audience would like that kind of comment as opposed to him actually necessarily believing that that's what the un is um in the context of him delivering these speeches in a church as well i mean this is why so many uh leaders didn't like christianity when it first came across like the idea of having a god above your king or your emperor or whoever was threatening um And Mm -hmm. we've kind of uh, managed to deal with that now because we don't consider the government to be all-powerful and, you know, supreme ruler, diktat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So uh, Christianity can kind of exist relatively well with democracy. And I feel that that's kind of all he was doing, like preaching to the converted, saying, yes, God is all-powerful and above the kind of, worldly matters including government even though it's important which you did say that we have so this feels mm. like kind of a bit of a nothing story
0: yeah i'd understand with that but i think we're also missing um <clears throat> a key point to make which is that conspiracy is <laughs> profitable now mm. um you know, like, like you have to wonder, will Scott Morrison go down, like, like will he go down a Joe Rogan podcast s ranting about conspiracy route? You know what I mean? I think that's more of a national thing than a liberal thing, but I get your point. Oh, well, you know. Um, so, I, I feel like there is a significant group of people, a large chunk of society, who distrust government and who can very much blame them. Um, and I think the unfortunate thing is that an even smaller subset has discovered that that is really profitable when you sell them things and when you get them to um, when you sell you. them that belief. Well, yeah, yeah, but I feel like in a lot of voting capacity, there's not really enough. Like, if you compare it to, like, say, the UAP, for example, um. The UAP was telling their supporters all along that Craig Kelly was going to be the prime minister. Anyone with half a functioning brain cell knew that that just wasn't going to happen. Like that—that's no. Um, but you know, it did—it did sell. Like that message did sell, and you have to wonder what kind of other profits was gotten from that. So, mm.
1: yeah. Well, that was depressing. Yeah, Sorry, oh, no, I no, kind of
2: went off. No, no, the... no. I could. Yeah, well, it does. <laughs> it does lean off to. It does lead off to a a, a couple of things. But uh, look, I suppose I I had a note to myself that uh, you know, despite my opinion of of governments, I would hope that Albo does the same thing as Morrison and uh, puts the authority of uh, Australia as a nation state ahead of something like the UN. And I'd I'd probably disagree with you. Uh, anger and hope about the, I would agree with you that there's probably technically none or very little power that the UN has, that the UN has has over a nation state. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: However, its influence and the way that it uh, dictates things is highly evident in what we're seeing about an entire globe being mobilized to what is essentially Uh, at its heart, a a UN climate change agenda. Now, you can argue whether it's good or bad and all all that. That's that's a separate matter. However, it's the UN through the the IPCC that's driving regulation, spending of money, government policies. So it's like the person behind pulling the strings behind the uh, face of a political party. They're not elected, and no, they're technically not doing anything, but the reality is that that influence does actually result in concrete legislation.
1: I understand your it's point amazing. there. Um, I would argue that it hasn't actually resulted in concrete legislation in pretty much most of the world, um, but they are definitely pushing for it um, through uh, the IPCC. Uh, so yes, I get your point.
0: I feel like really climate change—it's something that kind of just highlights how weak the UN actually truly is. Like, how long has the UN been saying, "Like, hey guys, can we please not? Mm. Like, can we please like not expand fossil fuels?" Uh, since and a lot of the world's kind of gone, and a lot of the world's like, oh, all <laughs> shut up." <laughs>
2: Yeah, look that's a, that's so, a fair count. That's a fair counterpoint. I can I can accept that. Uh, I just have a bit of difficulty saying that the UN doesn't really have any power over a nation state, and I'm not a supporter of Morrison, but I think the sentiment he expressed was reasonable in that isolated um, in that in that isolated definition
1: that he gave. Yeah, of course. Um, mm. it's, and that's, that is kind of an interesting uh, point as well, because when you think about what power the UN is able to wield, um, it's not able to really wield it against powerful countries, um, much the same mm. way as the European Union before the UK left uh, was basically Germany, France, and the United Kingdom um, mm. guiding the entire project. And while other countries were much more influential um, than uh, a lot of people kind of thought, It had to be those three countries that were either on board for something to actually happen um and Mm. the un you can kind of look at the same way saying it has power to influence smaller countries to do things but that's just kind of part of the international playground of the bigger countries letting the smaller countries know what they should be doing um uh, or what they want them to do anyway Mm. uh in terms of morrison's thing of australia first yeah As I said, I don't find it controversial. Um, Mm. uh, Again, not a fan of Morrison, um, as are apparently most of the people on this podcast. Uh, Sorry, on this um, uh, subreddit. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, they weren't controversial comments. Um, It was just kind of media theatre, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I I, Mm. I would agree with with that. Speaking of, uh, of, of comments... Uh, we, well, one just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, if people are wanting to to join us on a Sunday morning here to to give their view, uh, please contact us via mail or uh, directly via a, a, a message. Uh, we also announce it on the the, the sub. Uh, we don't take people just straight out of the audience to speak online. We have there's a couple of issues with that. Uh, and that's the that's the method we're sticking to. So you're most welcome to ask us to to come on. That's just the housekeeping side. On the comment side, we have a comment here from Jeffo one two three four five. Leftists used to be against global capitalism and IMF data traps for the sorry debt traps. IMF debt traps for the third world countries. The right is capitalizing on this fall away as Labour captures more liberal centrists.
0: That's, That's a very interesting thing. But I don't think we can really go into that at the moment because it's already ten. Yeah, we'll just take, and we still have another two topics to we'll get together. We'll take that as a comment. As,
2: yeah, exactly. We'll, we we might note it down <laughs> for future. We'll take it as a comment as read. Just uh, want to let you know that if you're out there and contributing, we'll try and put mm. your comments in where we can. But over to you, Apricot. Awesome. So
0: <clears throat> we're moving into the data portion of this episode. We've got a lot of data. Uh, we did uh, for those who are not aware we recently reached 200,000 uh subscribers to our Australian politics hooray yep. um and we did a survey of you guys uh basically last week it will run for a week and we've just released some of the results so well, let me just pull them up um anger are you guys have had a look at the results mm-hmm. yes is there anything that jumps there out of you well that... the... Go oh,
2: on. Sorry, um, I do did. You, you first. You first you, okay, okay. Right. I just wanted to make uh, say I had two. There was two key results for for me. Uh, the first was mm-hmm. uh, 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 on a scale of one to ten. Do you feel like you can express your opinion f- freely? I was very heartened to see that the all the time group was sixty eight percent. That's that's something that we're particularly focused on in this subreddit. That Everybody, regardless of where you are on the political express political spectrum, can openly and civilly express your opinion. So that was that was particularly pleasing for me. The other one that was pleasing uh, was the is the sub informative, and in the very much so group, that was sixty five point eight percent. And I feel if we can be essentially a place where people can uh, look at it as a, a hub to get some central information. Discuss it if they want, or simply read or use that as a, a launching point for other uh, information. I was really heartened by that. So look, those two key results were, were really the standout to me. And I also want to say thank you to you, Apricot, for getting it organised and getting that data collated. I'm sure we'll do another one in the the, the future. But uh, there was what was it, hundred and 790 comments uh, um participants and i thought that was a really good effort so i just want to acknowledge your effort on that thank you very much
0: uh maybe we'll do one for 250k who knows
1: yeah uh the thing that uh kind of struck out to me is that if we extrapolate up uh from the responses Um, At the next election, the Liberal Party is going to be completely wiped out. Um, (laughs) The Greens are going to form government uh, with a very small Labour Party as the opposition. Uh (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes. That became quite clear. Like, I feel like
0: a lot of us already kind of, most of the sub um, was either of the Green or Red leaning. Yeah. but yeah just seeing just seeing that really strong result um for the greens uh was really kind of i mean yay i'm happy to see it um but also it really does kind of just put into perspective how rigid the sub can be i feel at times um Uh, I'm I'm actually going to go put a link to the results in the comments. There's a fancy little chart that I put together there, guys. Yeah, that was really fantastic. Yeah, and I'm really devastated that in the chart I accidentally um, screenshotted a notification along with it, and I can't get that data back without creating the whole thing again, and it took me hours last night, and I don't want to do that. (laughs) I
2: I wondered what had happened there.
1: I'm going to Um, assume that the uh, DNV means do not vote. Or did not yeah, vote. Yeah, did right? not vote. Yeah. Uh, which I find interesting because my assumption uh would be that most people who are on this sub who didn't vote in 2019 uh would have been underage at the time. So in that's the correct. 15, yes. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and uh that I found interesting, just kind of looking at how that was relatively evenly split between the Greens and the ALP um in mm-hmm. terms of where mm-hmm. those votes went uh and a couple for the independents, um and I think one for the coalition uh but that I found quite interesting one of the things that I think I put up on either this sub or another one a little while ago was uh how do people think about 16 year olds voting um Mm -hmm. uh and that's something which if it happened uh would definitely move the needle of um uh the Australian voters towards the centre and the left, as opposed to the right. Mm.
2: Do, you, do you think maybe, maybe let's ta- table that disastrously insane suggestion for topic <laughs> another time? <laughs> <laughs> another time. <laughs> maybe, another maybe,
0: time. <laughs> maybe if we're uh, willing, because there was a suggestion in this survey that we had some structured debates. Um, maybe if we can yes. get those off the ground, that should be the first topic. Should 16-year-olds vote? Oh, that's
1: yeah, possible. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Look, just just on that, and this is this is sort of a, a bit of process thing. I've been looking at a couple of subs trying to work out how we can uh, do a structured debate where it's just confined to the people uh, debating and just the mechanics of it. It's not completely clear to me how you do that on Reddit, and I'd prefer to keep it on Reddit, given that is the platform of choice we have here. So if people have any suggestions or, in fact, know of subs that are successfully conducting a structured debate, let us know, because it's something we're definitely interested here in the Australian politics subreddit. And if you know a process, please give me a message or send us a message in Modmail. So, look, that's just just mm-hmm. an aside because I agreed. I thought that was a good uh, a good suggestion.
0: Indeed. Uh, let's see what else did we get from the results. We got the a lot thing of which, things.
1: Yes. The one thing which um, uh, stood out to me, which I don't think I commented when I, uh, um, I filled in the results, but a few people did, uh, was that uh, short comments are getting auto modded out. Um, ah, I've got. And,
2: uh, yeah, yep, uh, I yeah. There's I've, literally I've, have reduced reduced that this morning. Cool. Uh, we're we're tweaking we're tweaking a number of those things. There's there's limits, and sometimes yeah, you, know, you sort of play with play with different things. However, I've literally this morning uh, seen that feedback and responded to what people wanted. We've also discussed it internally, so that's been uh, tweaked a, a little bit. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I have fallen afoul of that a few times.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yes, we'll see how it goes. There you go,
0: guys. Your mod team's listening to you. Yes,
2: <laughs> well, I would hope so.
0: Oh dear.
2: <laughs> well, look. What was um, what? What stood it, what stood out to uh, to you? Apricot was there. Was there anything that you were either surprised at or particularly heartened by? So, I
0: particularly quite liked. Um, I would say I was a little surprised um, by the too much moderation question, you know, basically how much moderation there is. The specific question was on a scale of 1 to 10, in terms of moderation, I feel like there is, with 1 being not enough, 10 being too much, leaving about 5 to 6 is about right. Um I very much expected that to be super skewed. Like, I expected a bunch of people to go and put one and go, no, it's the Wild West. There's absolutely no rules here, and it's it's terrible. Um, and a bunch of people to put in 10 and go, it's, it's God, it's like living in, you know, 1940s Germany. There's so many mm. rules. Um, but instead, that wasn't it. Instead, uh, About Right actually won a majority of that with 52.6%. So mm. I, was, I was pretty pleased to see that as a moderator myself.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got down my note pleasing to, pleasing to read. I'm with you on that.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. I was also, let me just see if I can find it. Um, bah, 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 bah. I knew, so the amount of people when they identified, like, their political leanings, um, I knew that the majority of the sub was fairly left-leaning. Mm. What I didn't expect was more people to say that they were, like, identified as part of the far left than those that identified as centrist, right, centre-right, and far-right combined. Like, that was a bit surprising to me.
2: Hmm. Okay. Okay. I I noticed in the comments Ben Along has, and he's put a smiley face for this, we would say quite obviously, I was shocked that there are so many greens on the sub. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, oh, there dear. is a
1: Australian Greens subreddit and there are not very many things on it at all. Um as a quick aside if you are a um a member of the Greens uh, or a Greens voter if you do become a red uh, a member of the Greens they have a their own website which has some posts and comments ability as well but um I don't think it's particularly well populated. Uh, I think this is probably the best place to go to hang out with other Greens voters.
2: Sorry, go on Apricot.
0: I was going to say, are you
2: talking about the greenhouse? Yes, I am.
0: Oh God, what an awful place that is.
1: Yes. <laughs> but the more people uh, who uh, join, especially the more younger people who join, the more likely it is to get better. Um, oh yes. But yes, at the moment it's not particularly well... Designed, populated, curated, uh,
0: maintained. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> anyway, sorry about that,
0: guys.
2: You were saying, I uh, I don't remember what I. I don't remember what I was saying. I'm. A, I'm afraid. Uh, I suppose the 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 other point I was going to get to was I thought it was interesting to read the comment. Uh, that the bitter fighting. The bitter fighting between supporters of the Greens and ALP was a, a an issue. I thought it was interesting that it was those uh those two those two parties particularly singled out. I, I probably would have observed that to a degree, but um I don't know to come up as a, an an issue, uh I thought that was interesting.
0: Um I was personally not too surprised about that. Uh like nothing hates the left more than the left. Uh, um, yeah. In, in, a, in a sense, um, we, you know, h- how do we all feel about the CPRS, everyone? Um,
1: <laughs>
2: so, yeah, but um, it-
1: for anyone who's interested in more left-on-left uh, left action, um, there's two podcasts uh, which kind of have... Uh, one is The Week on Wednesday by Van Baden, uh who Apricot's already um, mentioned his uh, distaste of. Uh, and that is a very Labour-centric podcast over what is happening today in um, Australian politics. Uh, And the other one is Serious Danger, uh, which is by um, Tom Ballard and Emerald Moon, Moon. which is a basically Greens version um, of that. So looking at um, the election and then now things that are happening today from a Greens point of view, um, as opposed to a Labour point of view. So if you do want uh, to get um, out of your specific left echo chamber and into a mm-hmm. wider left echo chamber, uh, maybe uh, those would be two podcasts to listen to as well. Can you throw
2: them into the comments after this, please, if you don't mind, Anger?
1: I absolutely can. Thank
2: I have you.
0: to say, I feel very hurt, Anger.
2: We invite you <laughs> onto the <this> podcast.
0: <laughs> and you shill for other ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, if you only listen to one podcast listen to this one of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Now available on that's Google Podcasts.
2: That's right. It's good to, look it's good to have the competition. I recall uh, going to Chadstone which is a, a big shopping center here in uh in, in Melbourne going there a number of years ago and there was I think it was BCC computers or something that used to be upstairs and they had it to themselves and I noticed that they had moved downstairs There where there were other computer stores. And I had a, a quick chat to the manager there and I said, oh, you know, I see you down here now. How is it having all your competitors around? And he said, it's actually increased their business because they're now in the area where people are wanting to go to get their computer parts and services and it's worked out that having the competition around them is beneficial. So, shill away, their anger. If we're uh, <laughs> in, if we're in good company, it should be beneficial for us.
1: Awesome. Mm. No worries. Uh, okay, uh, are we? Do we want to move on?
0: We will yeah. move on. Just but just before we do, um, right. I just want to highlight uh, prestigious fun 7179's comment of have you ever wondered why a minority opinion australia-wide is so popular here uh not being rude just wondering i presume he's talking about the overrepresentation of the greens and i do have an answer for you reddit is demographically young and left-leaning and that is a green voter to a t
1: um that that's really kind of the answer
2: yep that's simple
1: what is actually interesting about that is that Greens voters are more likely to skew female than male um, nationally, mm-hmm. uh, and Reddit is more likely to skew male than female. So that's the only demographic which is different uh, in regards to Reddit and Greens voters. But otherwise, yeah, absolutely. Um, young, yeah. online, <laughs> more left wing. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's
2: that What's that skew in real life? Do you know roughly off the top of your head?
1: not off the top of my head um but i'll uh, look it up and put it in the comments there's a Uh, youtube channel called news togs um who uh has stopped publishing now uh but they did a few things before the elections and one of them was about who greens voters are um but yeah i'll go and find that and put it in the comments after
2: uh excellent thank you
0: all oh, good. So we might move on to our last topic, which is that the AEC has re- finally released all of their finalised data. And I'm going to handball over to Anger on this, um, mainly because I haven't looked through much of it.
1: Yeah, right. So um, this is one of those I don't think anyone really noticed uh, because the final bits of the data that they came out with were things like um, uh, the... Uh, Let's see, where is it? Uh, So the divisional classifications of which seats are safe and which aren't, um, the full distribution of preferences um, and the two candidate preferred preference flows uh, in each division as well. Um, So this is the kind of stuff which pretty much no one actually cares about um, with the exception of sophologists and data scientists and people Mm. who are the really nerdy people in all of the um uh major parties who are like trying to work out who they need to be appealing for uh over the next 3 years and at the next election um i'll just kind of point out a few things which i found about it which uh was quite interesting uh so first of all um and i'll like put some links to this in the comments as well so that people can kind of go through it uh first of all i what you might find kind of odd is that mm. in uh, if you look at the fulldis um where is it the two-party preferred preference flow um uh, obviously uh, the uh, greens um, support labor quite a lot so about eighty five percent of uh, greens voters will then uh, go on to preference uh, labor above the coalition um where is it specifically do uh, yeah eighty five point six six which is a little bit higher than it has been in previous years um but one of the things which, and again this isn't collated on the website you have to kind of like put the numbers together to you um, by yourself is yeah. that labor supports the greens about the same amount so in the three electorates brisbane griffith and ryan which the greens ended up winning um labor preferences went to them about 83 percent um so as much as labor and the greens uh, often fight a lot about who is better for the country in terms of things like climate change and things like that all of the people who vote for them or 85 percent of them uh will go yes but i want to like keep this side of politics in power as opposed to mm. letting my preferences go towards um the coalition uh so that i found quite interesting mm. um the other one was in whenever there were uh fights between the greens and labor or the greens and the liberals and fights as in like when they were the last two um uh, uh whatever it's called uh candidates party preferred yep on the two candidate preferred uh what i found really interesting is what happened to the one nation and the united australia party vote so about a third of one nation supporters preference the greens above either labor or the liberals and about mm. 40% mm. of united australia supporters preference the greens above either the labor or liberals which i wouldn't have predicted mm. Uh, come mm. in. so I was just wondering what your uh, reactions were to that.
0: I sort of already knew this to an extent. I once had a lovely argument um, with someone over the result in Brisbane. Um, they were very, they were a Labor supporter, and they were very mad that the Greens had won the seat of Brisbane instead of Labor. It's basically, going, you know, we put, Labor has put so much work into that seat over the last decade; we should have won it, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> should. <laughs> yeah, but their argument then when when the argument kind of devolved into you know pettiness, it was like, oh, well, you know, thirty percent of UAP voters preference the greens. Like how do you feel getting in on the back of Clive Palmer? you know you're you're a hypocrite. And I'm like, well, well greens can't really choose who you know who preferences <laughs> them. Um, so I kind of knew that a decent
1: chunk already had at least in some seats, but is that across the board? that uh that's in the seats where it did come down to a competition between the two mm-hmm. um uh, uh, and that's either greens or um the coalition so i think that was um three seats between labor and the greens and three four five six uh I was uh, no three seats between the liberals and the greens and six seats between labor and the greens mm-hmm. so well, look, I I, don't look- that- oh sorry
2: so I was going to say I, I I certainly haven't I haven't analysed this at all. That's that's just not my thing. And when <laughs> when you were saying apricot, and now we'll turn over to I'm thinking, oh for the love of God, don't ask me to comment first on this. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we went on to to anger. So I can give my my opinion is just hearing that. Uh, comment and uh, what actually happened where it got down to the the two candidates. I I was surprised to hear it, but then when I thought about my reasoning as someone who is particularly anti-majors, I thought, no, if I'm choosing and I'm tending to put uh, Liberal or Labor last, it's probably not going to be a surprise that some of the minor parties like Greens, UAP... One Nation are going to be ahead of them. And I know there's a lot of people out there who would think, well, God, they should well be behind the two majors. Fortunately, it's my vote. So yeah, I was surprised at first, but then I went through my methodology when I was voting. I thought, that's probably in line with what a number of people have thought. They thought, no, buggy, we've had it had it with you to, to uh, Labor and Liberal, or yeah, Labor and the Coalition. You're going right down the bottom of the pile.
1: It does mm. um, uh, make me realize as well how much uh, the messaging from both the United Australia Party and uh, One Nation wasn't really getting through to the people who voted for them because they were um, really kind of hammering home like how awful the Greens and the left and would be for the country. And um, as you said, it did end up being more of a, no, we don't want to give our votes to either of the two major parties, but they don't see the Greens as part of that, um, despite kind of Clive Palmer and Pauline Hansen saying quite a few times, like, how much of a serious danger uh, the Greens are.
2: Hmm. Oh, isn't that, that... Look, that's an interesting... That's an interesting comment to make. I, I tend to avoid a lot of, uh, you know, c- commercial or a- advertising-heavy um, media... I felt like, I didn't feel that message came through quite as strongly to me. And look, this is probably, I'm a a human, so I have my bias. My uh, impression of what One Nation and United were were pushing was more of an anti- labor and liberal agenda rather than specifically an anti-green gender. I mean it was there. There's there's no doubt yep. about that. But when you w- the way that you phrase it then anger I thought, huh, I had a different perception.
1: No, that's fair enough. And I mean it's probably because I was um uh working with the Greens that um I did kind of pick up on those anti-green bits because I'm biased and I was looking out for it more. Uh, so yeah that's a good point. Um the uh, other couple of things that I kind of wanted to just talk about in regards to the um, data, uh, first of all, the independence. Um, If you look at the, uh, the three-candidate preferred count, which is not a thing that the AEC does, but if you look at their full distribution of preferences, you can work it out. Um, and then you go from that to the uh, two-party preferred. So just a quick thing about nomenclature. Um, Two-party preferred uh, means uh, what percentage of each division would have voted for either Liberal over Labour or Labour over Liberal. So it ignores the last two candidates, like who they actually are, because there are a whole bunch of um, what are called not classical divisions, where it's an Independent or the Greens um, or someone else, and it just goes Liberal or Labour, how does it go? Um, All six of the... Uh, seats won by the climate 200 independents uh, would have voted liberal if the climate 200 independent wasn't there um and there were swings against the coalition uh, but they still kind of were more um blue than red and you can actually try and work out what percentage of people voted independent then liberal then labor and it was around about 10 percent uh for all of the uh independents who won um and that i found quite interesting because you can then look at uh how uh the messaging of the independents beforehand um and like there was a reason that they didn't say that they were going to rule out working with the coalition like they needed those voters to vote for them uh, otherwise they would have lost the seat to the liberal party <clears throat> mm-hmm. odd question
0: um is uh words with conducting those three candidate preferred counts? Have you yep. done one for um oh my god, Kuyong? There we go, Kuyong. Uh, yes, I have. Uh, uh, so and was that on sorry, go on. I was gonna say, was that between uh the independent liberals and labor or the independent liberals and the green? I
1: was independent, liberal, and labor. Uh, okay. so um, I didn't actually uh see. How the greens did in Kuyong. I, they, they they it was it was bad. and i'm I'm well, sorry, oh.
0: Piers, you're a fantastic person. No one blames you. Um, <laughs> but that was but... because,
1: um it was Julian Burnside at the last election. and so like it was, to be fair, stunt casting um uh, pushing the greens vote significantly above where it might have been.
2: Mm. what, what so just to clarify that for me. What do you mean by stunt casting?
1: um Julian Burnside was uh is a very prominent um uh is he a yep. lawyer or a media yeah uh, i i and- thought he was a lawyer yeah yeah uh, does- and so from that name re- from that name recognition um he is not necessarily uh people associate him more with who he is than with who the greens are uh so one of the things that um uh I think a lot of uh Greens uh volunteers um find quite frustrating uh is talking to people who have very established ideas about who the Greens are because they're thinking about who they were back in the 90s and saying well no the party isn't actually like that we've kind of branched out and have a lot more things Julian Burnside because the fact that you know he had his name and people already knew who he was Mm -hmm. kind of managed to get around that which um I think pushed up his vote quite a lot uh back in 2019 Oh,
2: okay. Just haven't, haven't heard the term before. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, um, the reason why I asked is I'd be really interested to see how many people like voted the climate independent and then the Greens. Um, just because from the twenty nineteen result there is such a um difference between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty two. That's all um, I might, I might that, run that count
1: uh, myself. That information we can't really find, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, so if a um. So what the AEC has put on is the, let's just pull it up, uh, Adelaide, that's fine. Um, So the two candidate preferred preference flows is like right down the bottom. Um, You Mm -hmm. can see uh, how many first preference votes from each party, where they ended up in regards to the two last kind of people. Um, And then you can look at the full distribution of preferences and you can see as each candidate was eliminated, where the votes went after that uh yeah so uh you can work it out uh if um you're looking at a smaller party going up to a larger one and you can work it out looking at um the third largest party up to either labor or the liberals um but you can't really do more than that with the data unfortunately um the aec might have that information but they don't publish it on their website Yeah, huh. the, uh. other, the other thing I found quite interesting is that they've got a, um, uh, down the bottom of the main site, um, what's called divisional classifications, uh, which mm-hmm. is where they just kind of go through all the divisions and then say whether they're a safe seat um, or a marginal seat. Um, and just uh, bringing up one example, um, they've classified McNamara as a safe labor seat. Uh, no what do you think of that yeah exactly yeah right (laughs) no um they've also classified griffith as a safe greens seat um and in both cases like the swing is very very small in terms of what you require to get from uh a you know green mp or a labor mp but because it wasn't green versus labor as the last two because that was the race to third place um the aec hasn't been able to kind of like work that on out on their website so okay, that's okay. one of those things where you shouldn't kind of take like take those with a grain of salt i guess
0: mm-hmm. can you send me a link to those divisional classifications i just tried accessing it and it said no oh
1: yeah super weird um mm-hmm. it's working yeah, see, for me you get your shit together yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe just like try reloading the site. Um, that happened to me once, but yeah, you know, there you go. Nah, just as your
0: attempt to to the AC website has been unsuccessful,
1: might be yeah, going no, to the wrong place. No, 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 that happened to me once, um, a while ago. Uh, but yeah. Hmm. Well,
2: uh, I, I apricot, just before you you wind up, just two last comments. Go uh, okay. ahead. We, we can take them as as comments as as read uh, from Ben along. The reason social media, including Reddit, is predominantly left is because the right tend to get banned because of abuse and threats. Look at R. The Donald as an example. And we also have a comment from Jeffo12345. UAP also ran heaps of leftist economic advertisements like forcing interest rates to halt, free tertiary education, etc. Could be a contributing factor to a large portion preferencing the Greens.
0: Hmm, mm. maybe. That that's actually a very interesting thing to consider.
1: Yeah. Um, it's I mean, I I want to kind of point out uh the votes from One Nation and the United Australia Party preference the liberals ahead of the uh, or like benefited the liberals ahead of the Greens. Um it's just that it was like larger than I expected, forty percent from the UAP and thirty-three, I think, from uh One Nation. Um but uh yeah, it's those uh kind of Um, I guess, messaging of we're going to try and make it easier for you coming from the UAP and the Greens. I can see the correlation between them. So that's a good point, Jeffo, one, two, three, four, five.
0: Mm. All righty. Well, on that note, I think we might basically wrap up for today. Thank you for joining us, Anger. It's been a really illuminating discussion. (laughs)